0: what is up divers welcome in to the deep dive fantasy football podcast where i take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles i'm your host brandon gabor and before we get started remember you can follow me on twitter at deep ff instagram at deep dive fantasy football and as always check out the website deep which is always popping during the off season with that being said let's get to the content What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we're going over the Panthers. Finally, got to get out and project Christian McCaffrey. I knew he was going to be RB1, but boy, is it not even close. And we will get to that, but first, let's talk about the personnel changes in Carolina. They traded away quarterback Teddy Bridgewater and acquired quarterback Sam Darnold. They also Signed a couple people to their offensive line. That was a big struggle last year. They signed guard Pat Elfine, signed offensive tackle Cam Irvings, extended offensive tackle Taylor Moten for four years. That's awesome for dynasty purposes. And they drafted a running back to back up Christian McCaffrey and basically take that Mike Davis role that he had while Christian McCaffrey was healthy. That's Chuba Hubbard. They drafted him in the fourth round, once regarded as a first round running back prospect in college until some injuries, and some lackluster play. They also signed tight end Dan Arnold and drafted tight end Tommy Tremble in the third round. They drafted wide receiver Terrace Marshall, one of the guys I'm super excited for and one of the rookies I have the most shares of going into this season. They drafted Terrace Marshall in the second round, and they also drafted wide receiver Shy Smith in the sixth round, one of my sleepers. If you guys remember when we did the rookie wide receiver breakdowns, he was one of my sleepers. So in like A couple really deep dynasty leagues, and I think possibly my 32-man league, I might have Shai Smith, but I have him in a lot of places too, just for like depth in a taxi squad, and maybe he will end up hitting, but that's kind of dependent on Robbie being gone, right? They also, if we look at the defense had Thomas Davis retire, but they replaced him with two linebackers by signing outside linebacker Hassan Reddick, who had a great season for the Cardinals, and inside linebacker Denzel Perryman. They also drafted corner JC Horn in the first round, which will haunt them. And it's not because JC Horn's going to be bad. It's because Justin Fields is going to show them, hey, you should have picked me dummies. But I'm completely fine with that as a Bucks fan, who is a rival or at least division rival of the Panthers. So I'm glad he's not in our division at least. Now let's look at some trends, some history. PFF has this ranked as the 31st offensive line. Whoa boy, CMC is the unquestioned RB1 with that offensive line? Yeah, he is. And as we'll talk about, guys, it's getting to the point where people are starting to use the offensive line argument way more than it should be. It's just one piece in a huge puzzle puzzle, when you're looking at Analysis and is a, a running back going to be good and what's their opportunity like and all that stuff? Offensive line is one piece, it's not everything. Saquon's been good with a bad offensive line. Last year, Austin Eckler was great with a bad offensive line. Christian McCaffrey has always had a bad offensive line and he's always been great. So, there are so many running backs, so many that just produce despite the offensive line being bad. If anything, it should put your worries to the side and say, Hey, outside of McCaffrey aging, it only gets better from here, only gets better from here. They have the 16th ranked D-line, 20th ranked linebacking core, and 23rd ranked secondary. I think the most improved from last season is probably that secondary was probably much worse than 23rd last year. And, you know, they've got some nice young guys back there helping them develop, and they also just added J.C. Horn. So their secondary is kind of getting there. And with that said, last year, and pretty much this year, you'll see in a second, but last year they were at 57% pass, 43% run. I'm going to have that almost the same. I'm going to set it at 58% pass, 42% run. So I'm bumping up the pass by 1%. Why? Because they have a better quarterback. They have better wide receivers because I think Terrace Marshall and Shy Smith is an upgrade over Curtis Samuel. You can argue against me. Uh, I wouldn't blame you, but i that's what I believe. I think Terrace Marshall is going to be very good. So they got a better quarterback, they've got better wide receivers, and most importantly, they're receiving running back. The most elite receiving running back in the game, Christian McCaffrey, is healthy and is coming back. So they shouldn't just be running more. You might say, hey, McCaffrey's back, so they're probably going to run more. Their defense might be a little bit better, so they're probably going to run more. But When they were looking at Teddy Bridgewater, that's not a guy that you put full confidence in, hey, I'm going to let him sling the ball. And apparently, they might think that way about Sam Darnold, or the opposite, I should say. They might look at Sam Darnold and say, this is a guy we want slinging the ball for us because for them to pass on Justin Fields and Mac Jones, which uh, I don't know who I'd rather have between Mac Jones and Sam Darnold. Probably Mac Jones, but I'm not sure. But Justin Fields passing on him, Clearly, you have to have some type of confidence in Sam Darnold. You have to. And Joe Brady recognizes that he's been in a horrible situation. Maybe that's the biggest problem and he can coach him up and he's got better weapons here. So they are going to like to rely or at least go to Sam Darnold's arm just as much, if not more than they did with Teddy Bridgewater. So that's why I'm putting their pass rate at a tiny, tiny nick higher than last year. They were at 60 plays per game last year. I think their young young defense taking a few steps forward and their better offense should increase it. I'm putting it at about 62 plays per game. And they actually had 63 plays per game in 2019. So if you think, you know, putting the plays up is kind of a big deal, it's really not because they were actually better than that two years ago. So that puts them at 1,054 plays, 611 passes, 443 runs. So let's talk about Sam Darnold. He does run a little bit. So I'm going to give him his average running, about 40 attempts for 200 yards and two touchdowns. And now we can look at his passes. But I want to ask you this. Who in your mind is better, Sam Darnold or Teddy Bridgewater? And after you answer that question, and it'll be a different answer for a lot of people. After you answer that question, know this. Teddy Bridgewater had a 69, almost 70, almost 70% completion rate last year in Carolina For 11 yards per completion and a 3% touchdown rate. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Way better than I think anybody, if you ask them, would be able to guess. Sam Darnold's best year is nowhere close to that. 62% completion rate. Bridgewater last year, 69. 11.1 yards per completion, but that was off of a 62% completion rate. So pretty low. And then a 4.3% touchdown rate. But then you have to realize... Kind of some things I've already mentioned and hit upon. Sam Darnold has never had good talent around him. Sam Darnold has never had good coaching. He has three good wide receivers, the game's best receiving running back, and an innovative offensive mind in Carolina. That is better in every single category. And you know what else wasn't great in New York? The offensive line. So coming to this offensive line is not really even a downgrade. It's pretty much the same. So I expect... I expect Sam Darnold to push the ball a lot more than Teddy Bridgewater did. So if Teddy Bridgewater was at 11.1 yards per completion, I expect Darnold to be higher than that. Now, he's not going to be nearly as efficient, right, because Bridgewater is at a 69% completion. I'm giving Sam Darnold a 62% completion rate and 11.7 yards per completion. Remember, his best season to this date was a 62% completion, so that's the same and 11.1 yards per completion. So I'm just bumping up to the YPC, the yards per completion, for Sam Darnold from his best year. I think he's going to have a career year this year, but it makes sense. Better coaches, better situation, better surrounding talent, and he's got a pretty easy schedule too. So Sam Darnold, and that's not something that you could say often for the Jets because think about the division. Miami's had a good defense. The Bills have had a good defense. The Patriots always have a good defense. So that has not been the case for Darnold. Now. He's looking at the Falcons' defense. Hey, that's that's non-existent. The Bucs' defense is good now, very good. And the Saints' defense is probably going to take a few steps back. They're still pretty good. But also, the rest of the teams he's playing, not great. So Sam Darnold's also got that going in his favor. So I'm projecting that 62% completion, 11.7 yards per completion, or 62% completion, sorry, percentage, then 11.7 and 4.3% touchdown rate. So that's barely better, barely better than his best season to date. This will lead to enough, enough for fantasy studs elsewhere in this offense, which we're going to talk about because when it when we get down to it, Sam Darnold's not somebody I'm drafting. Absolutely not. And it's not anything against him. And if you traded for him in dynasty, don't look at it as a bad thing. Superflex, he'll be serviceable if you play him in good matchups. I think at least but I, I don't see me ever playing Sam Darnold. He is one of the lowest quarterbacks I've ranked so far and projected even. So he's not somebody I'm going to be touching. But when you hear his numbers, you're going to be surprised. And I'm just going to let you know, when you hear those numbers for Darnold, do not persecute me. Teddy Bridgewater, in, if, the, if he played 17 games last season... He would have racked up 4,230 yards, and remember, I have them passing a little bit more often this year than last year, so just keep that in mind. Christian McCaffrey, let's talk about him. The man himself, the number one running back year after year after year in points per game. He's going to do it again. In two and a half games last year, he racked up 90 fantasy points. That is more than 30 points per game because it was only two and a half games he played. He left one with injury. So that's absolutely ridiculous. And in 2019, he was almost, he was like 29 point something. He was almost 30 points per game in 2019. And obviously he averaged that last year in the three games. For reference, Dalvin Cook projected for me is at 21 points per game. And he's my RB2 right now. Christian McCaffrey in the last two seasons has averaged 18 carries per game and 8.5 Targets per game over the same time period. That is 26 and a half touches per game. And those are higher value touches than the touches that Derrick Henry gets. You know why? Because eight and a half of those are targets. And think about it this way if you just make the math simple, let's say every running back on a carry gets five yards. So you're getting half of a fantasy point per touch or per carry, right? Let's say every uh every running back catches 50% of their targets which we know is not true running backs catch usually above just above 75% of their their targets but let's say off of a target right every two targets one gets caught so without yardage included that's one one catch one point in PPR one point per every two targets which would be half a point for each target, just like half a point per carry. But that's not even including the yardage. If you include the yardage from the reception, which is usually about almost 10 yards, you're getting 1.5 almost, it's like 1.2 fantasy points per target. You know how much points you're getting per carry? Like .5. So targets are way higher value touches. That's why I actually count them as touches. Most people only count receptions, but a target is more valuable than a carry so I'm going to count targets as touches. If anything, they should count as more than one carry, but that's how I like to do it. So 26.5 touches per game, that's targets and carries combined. That's absolute insanity. Alvin Kamara, going back to the points per game argument, Alvin Kamara was at 23.55 points per game last year, and he was the RB1. McCaffrey averaged over 30 points per game. It is a huge gap. It's not even close. CMC And Travis Kelsey offer the single biggest fantasy advantages if you consider value over replacement player. And that's why if you go look at my draft sheets, Christian McCaffrey, his tier color is all by itself and it's hot pink and he's ranked number one and that's not changing. He is in the hot pink tier all alone because he is a game changer and you can't touch hot pink. So that's why, that's the color I chose. Also, it's really vibrant and stands out on the sheet compared to anything else. Same thing with Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is in the hot pink tier because the tight end two for me, Darren Waller, is almost three points per game worse than Travis Kelsey in my projections. So that's why Kelsey is also in his own, all by himself, hot pink tier. And he's ranked number one as well. So these two guys, easily, easily worth any pick, any range in the draft. You could take Kelsey at two, and I'm not going to say anything to you, except for maybe good job and like way to be ballsy, but it's probably going to pay off. So that's, you know, just had to hit upon that because the VORP, the value of a replacement is ridiculous for Christian McCaffrey. Now, if we're actually looking at projecting this year, he's probably going to see some touches get reduced, right? There's a bit more weapons. They might be trying to keep him at 100%. So instead of 18 carries per game, I have him at 17 and a half. And I actually have his targets per game a little bit lower as well. His efficiency is probably going to be around the same, though, because he was so good already. Right? I told you, 31st ranked offensive line by PFF this year. Well, it was ranked like that the past couple seasons. So there's no reason to just say, eh, he's got a bad offensive line. He's going to be way worse because he's been great with it so far. So, over the last three seasons, with McCaffrey averaging 4.8 yards per carry, I'm just going to keep it there. I, I don't see a reason to to make it get worse. 25, if anything, by the way, if anything, you could say it would get better, because if Darnold does push the ball down the field more than Bridgewater, it's going to open up the offense a little bit, so it'll make McCaffrey easier to run. He'll have a easier time finding lanes. He's got 25 touchdowns in the last 19 games, more than a touchdown per game. That's insane. He's got had a 22% target share. That's probably go gonna go down a little bit, but it's not gonna go down too much because why? You've heard this a million times, he is an elite talent. And anytime somebody is an elite talent, you're probably not taking away target share from them because somebody was added into the offense, unless that person is similar in talent. And I just wanna say, if we go look at the rookie class, right, that Christian McCaffrey came from, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey. Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt. I think there was one more. Uh, I don't remember who it was. I think there was one more, though. I think it might have been David Montgomery. That might have been the year after. Don't quote me on it. But in that class, Dalvin Cook was my RB1, and Christian McCaffrey was my RB2. I had both ahead of Leonard Fournette. So I just thought that was interesting, because I remember taking a lot of heat for it back then, and... After year one, I took a whole bunch of heat for it because Christian McCaffrey was like a back end RB2 year one, and Dalvin Cook was hurt, and Leonard Fournette was like a huge volume beast. But since year one, I've been cooking with gas on those on those takes. So Christian McCaffrey, he's just he's such a talented guy. I got him at a 20% target share. He's clear RB1. Don't overthink it. Don't be the guy. Do not be this guy. And if this guy is listening don't take offense, but don't be the guy that drafts a different running back over Christian McCaffrey because of this sentiment, all right? And the sentiment is this. Well, the chances of Christian McCaffrey finishing the RB1 are less than 50%, so I'm not going to draft Christian McCaffrey at first overall because there's less than a 50% chance, so I want to take the other side. Well, you're not wrong, but what you're not realizing is that You're not comparing Christian McCaffrey to the field. You can't take the entire field at number one. You have to pick somebody. So you're comparing Christian McCaffrey, who let's say has a 30% chance to be the RB1. Any other running back you're picking to take over him is like 5% chance or 10% chance at the best that they finish as RB1. So it's not McCaffrey versus the field, it's McCaffrey versus somebody specifically that you're gonna choose over him. Therefore, you should not take anybody over Christian McCaffrey, because the chances of him being RB1 are so much better than anybody else. I'm done talking about Christian McCaffrey. Let's move on to the wide receivers. DJ Moore, he's got a 23% target share last year. He should be the wide receiver one, absolutely, for this team in targets. Last year, he was not. Last year, Robbie Anderson had a 25% target share. But DJ Moore, he's way more efficient his efficiency is off the charts his worst dj moore's worst uh year in efficiency is better than robbie anderson's best year in terms of efficiency what is efficiency yards per target baby it combines catch rate and yards per reception into one yards per target when i throw this person on average how many yards am i gaining dj moore's worst year is better than robbie anderson's best year. And I think they're going to look at DJ Moore and say, hey, especially with Darnold in town now and Terrace Marshall in town probably going into the slot and he can run a lot of different types of routes, they're probably going to make Robbie kind of move over. I know I'm kind of blending both of the receivers right now, but Robbie's going to move over more to what he did in New York and be more of a deep threat. Now, he's definitely not going to just be doing that, but I think that's going to be part of the game, his game more than it was last year And it showed success with him and Darnold. That was the only thing Darnold did on an okay basis in New York was throw a deep ball to Robbie Anderson. But DJ Moore, he should be the wide receiver one. Last year was super frustrating picking which wide receiver would go off between him and Robbie. I think DJ Moore is going to become more reliable His yards for reception is definitely going to come down. He broke so many screens, so many out routes to the house last year for like 50 yards. That's not reliable, especially when it's like a route that's supposed to be four yards on third and three to the sideline to get the first down, and then nobody's there to tackle him, and he just runs down the sideline for 50 yards. That was the Bears game, and he actually did that in like two other games, but yeah, I just remember that vividly because people every week would say Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore this week, and I was wrong probably every time because... I would say, okay, well, this corner, who's much better, is on D.J. Moore this week, so I'm going to say Robbie Anderson. And then the one time that that corner doesn't line up with D.J. Moore, D.J. Moore gets a 50-yard touchdown pass. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to just stop answering the Robbie Anderson versus D.J. Moore questions, or at least tell people, hey, just so you know, it's an absolute shot in the dark for these wide receivers, but I would play this one. But anyways... That was uh, super frustrating last year during the during the uh, weekly decision-making. But I'm giving him the same target share. I think Robbie's will actually come down a little bit, but DJ Moore should hold at 23%. And it will actually make him the number one, considering Robbie Anderson dropping down with some of the new people coming back, mainly Christian McCaffrey, right? So DJ Moore's going to be good for fantasy. He's probably a solid wide receiver too. And the wide receivers got a great schedule. They do. Green schedule in the draft sheets for the Carolina Panther wide receivers. So now we'll talk about Robbie. Like I said, 25% target share last year, but the running backs, they got 4% less targets last year once Christian McCaffrey got hurt than what I'm projecting now. So that means we have to reduce the wide receiver share a bit as a whole, and Robbie's going to be the one that gets hurt from that. He might get put into more of that deep role like he was with Darnold in New York. I'm projecting 21% target share. His yards per target were no better last year than his whole career. I'm going to say that again because everyone thinks that last year, oh, Robbie Anderson was always such a good wide receiver. He was always such a good wide receiver. It was New York that just ruined him. Well, really, that's not even true because Robbie Anderson did not get better. He just got more targets. Now, yes, if you're taking it from a output approach, like, hey, you know, he put up better numbers because he got more targets. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But a lot of those people actually think that Robbie Anderson got way more efficient. He didn't at all. At all. His yards per target were no better last year than his entire career. And that's the a good stat, in my opinion, showing talent. Like I said, it it equates your catch rate and your yards for reception or your depth of target to your catch rate. So he's a pretty good value overall in drafts. I know I'm reducing him a little bit, and it sounds like I'm kind of negative towards Robbie. I'm not, just explaining the process. He's a pretty good value in drafts. He's a nice wide receiver, three more of a flex for a team. And then we've got Terrace Marshall, and I'm going to talk about him because I think there's enough to make him possibly relevant down the stretch in fantasy. Curtis Samuel had a 19% target share last year. I'm going to give Terrace Marshall 15% he's already got familiarity with joe brady from lsu he can play the big slot he was one of my higher rated wide receivers in this rookie class i've been drafting him everywhere in dynasty he's the future number two wide receiver here he's gonna have a decent rookie impact all right so keep that in mind now we'll get into the actual projections sam darnold i have at 611 passes 379 yards and remember i said don't crucify me don't persecute me for this 4,432 yards. That's barely more. It's a couple hundred yards or like 150 yards more than what Teddy Bridgewater was on pace for last year. And I think they're going to pass more this year, more often. And Sam Darnold's going to push the ball a little bit farther down the field than Teddy Bridgewater because he's got the better arm to do that. So Darnold at 4,432 yards, but just 26 touchdowns and 200 rushing yards, two touchdowns. That puts him at 18.5 points per game, but adjusting for risk and potential and all that stuff. I'm going to take him just after Baker Mayfield. Christian McCaffrey, I have him at 122 targets, 103 receptions, 873 receiving yards, three touchdowns, and then 297 carries, 1,426 rushing yards, and 13 rushing touchdowns. So overall, that's 16 touchdowns in 17 games. That's much less than his 25 touchdowns over his last 19 games, right? I'm giving him less than a touchdown per game. He was well over that for the past two seasons. So he's got room to grow. He really does. It's ridiculous. He's in a tier by himself. He's projected at 25.1 points per game, and that's not his ceiling. He's got room to grow. So overall for him, I have him actually breaking the 2,000-yard mark at let's see 20 almost 2300 total yards and 16 touchdowns then we've got dj moore i've got him at 14.88 points per game right between tyler lockett and t higgins dj moore's at 141 targets 86 receptions 1300 yards and six touchdowns robbie anderson at 128 targets 73 receptions 1075 yards and six touchdowns as well DJ Moore, that's really the only thing holding him back is the touchdowns. Robbie Anderson, I have at 12.7 points per game. He's right between Michael Pittman and Jarvis Landry for me. That's the area I'm taking him at. I like Pittman. I think I have not projected more than Pittman, but Pittman has way higher of a ceiling because he could become the wide receiver one. And it's possible, I, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but it's possible that Robbie Anderson becomes the wide receiver three for the Panthers at some point this season, which, like I said, not going to happen, but it's possible. And Jarvis Landry, I'll take Robbie because it's an offense that's probably going to pass more than the Browns, and they're both wide receiver twos. Then we've got Terrace Marshall. Terrace Marshall have at 92 targets, 57 receptions, 653 yards, and six touchdowns. That's a pretty good rookie year. Brandon, why do you have Terrace Marshall at six touchdowns like DJ and Robbie with way less work? Well, he's probably the best red zone threat of the three wide receivers. So, I'm going to take Terrace Marshall there with the six touchdowns. I think he's going to have a decent rookie year. I'm taking him right between Curtis Samuel and Marquise Brown. So with that said, that's the Panthers. Thank you guys for tuning in. Appreciate you. Have a good one. Peace.